0: Yeah, we've got a lot of work to do. Here are the top five things the Miami Hurricanes need to fix during the bye week. You are Locked on Canes, your daily podcast on the Miami Hurricanes. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Alex Dono, your host. I'm a University of Miami alumnus. Miami Hurricanes Radio Network post-game show host and contributor to AllHurricanes.com. And yeah, thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen today. We're available free wherever you get your podcasts and available free on YouTube. And yes, we are still keeping a positive attitude even after losing to Middle Tennessee State. Miami has a lot to look at. Coaches and players have to look themselves in the mirror during this extended break before the North Carolina game, heading into the bye week. But I know and I also hope that everyone's working very, very hard during this bye week. And so, guys, I'm going to give you the top five things the Hurricanes need to fix before they face North Carolina on October 8th. That's a 4 p.m. kickoff, by the way. That was announced this week. It's going to be a 4 p.m. game. So I hope to see everybody out there Saturday, October 8th, 4 p.m. Be early at Hard Rock Stadium. Uh, the number one thing, and I'm going to give you my five, and then I'm going to take you guys' uh, tweets as well at locked on canes. But the number one thing for me, this may surprise you that I go with this as number one since we've been talking about a different spot of the field so much this week. But number one, the defense needs to be ready to stop yet another air raid offense. Miami struggled against the air raid of Middle Tennessee. North Carolina's offense, it's like Middle Tennessee on steroids, okay? Against Middle Tennessee, Miami's talent got beaten on the field, and the scheme was also all wrong. So sometimes people will ask that loss, is it on coaching or is it on talent? The answer is yes, it was on coaching and it was on talent. Miami was in man coverage against the air raid, and their cornerbacks got cooked I believe Miami uh, and Kevin Steele as well, when he was scheming up the game plan for this game, I think they underestimated the speed of England Chisholm, that receiver who had like a thousand yards against us. And I also think they underestimated the arm strength of Chase Cunningham because kind of the book on the middle Tennessee quarterback was, you know, he can get rid of the football really quickly, but he can't throw it that far down the field. That didn't look (laughs) like to be the case Uh, on Saturday. He kept throwing bombs against Miami. So You know, they Miami's defense has so much to fix during this bye week, and they have to be ready both mentally and schematically. Well, and physically for this offense, Um, you know, you go back to last week against middle Tennessee, not only did Miami struggle in coverage and get beaten, tackles were missed at linebacker. All of the progress that the hurricanes had seemingly made by the time they got up to Texas A&M, all of that progress was lost and watching that defense it felt like the spirit of Manny Diaz had returned to the sidelines. So going up against this air raid, uh, another air raid, play more zone, drop eight men into coverage because you're going up against Drake May and North Carolina guys, that offense, it's a lot better than the one that just scored 38 points against you from middle Tennessee. May is averaging over 300 passing yards per game, 310 per game. The Tar Heels have eight, receivers with over 100 receiving yards already this season they spread the football out like crazy and north carolina they're averaging 46 and a half points per game so if the version of miami defense that showed up last week to hard rock stadium shows up again yeah we're in big big trouble guys miami's got to be better and so okay going up against north carolina like i don't expect miami to pitch a shutout uh i don't expect miami to stop UNC's offense consistently because probably very few if any teams can they've got an excellent offense but you've got to make some key stops to at least give your offense Miami's offense a chance right I mean last week especially after Jake Garcia came into the game he was showing some signs of reviving Miami's offense but then anytime you saw some progress from Miami's O, the defense would immediately give up a 98 yard touchdown and completely take the wind out of their sails. Okay, so number one, and it's schematics and it's talent. uh, We need to see the version of Miami's defense that looked really good against Texas A&M. That's the version of Miami's D that has to show up against North Carolina. Because if not, this offense is going to make you pay. And you've got to hope Miami's offense can keep up with them. And that brings us to our next point. The second thing Miami has to fix during the bye week. You've got to figure out your quarterback situation. And figuring it out doesn't necessarily mean making a switch. It might, but figuring it out doesn't necessarily mean that. Because right now, up to this point, especially the past two games, the two losses, Tyler Van Dyke, who's been your starter, he looks confused, he looks deflated, and he looks lost right now in this offense. Yes, Jake Garcia, who... You know, didn't perform great, but he performed better. He gave some spark. But I do wonder, guys, because as much of a Garcia fan as I am, and I think he's definitely the future of Miami. I'm just not 100% sure he's the present of Miami. But he did some good things in that game. But listen, I do wonder how much of Garcia's performance was the adrenaline and feeding off the energy of the crowd because really the only time the crowd had anything to be excited about and sounded pumped and sounded good was when Jake Garcia came into the game. And it's not just the quarterback who feeds off of the energy of the crowd. It's also the receivers who fed off that energy. So I guess my big question is, if you do make the switch to Garcia, which means you start him for the next game, is he ready to sustain four quarters of consistency against a formidable conference opponent? Would you have to suffer growing pains or even lose games because of Jake Garcia's development if you switched him? Because I think we can all agree. If you make the switch to Jake Garcia, you can't go back. You can't go back to Tyler barring injury, obviously, or something unforeseen. But if you make the switch to Jake Garcia, it's gotta be his team. I think once you make that switch, you can't go back. So if you make that switch to Garcia, are you ready for the possibility of growing pains for a first year starter and perhaps maybe losing some games because of making that change. Now, with the way Tyler's been playing, obviously Tyler can cost you wins as well. So, you know, I'm not saying that, hey, if you switch to Jake, then you're going to lose games. Tyler would have won. I don't know right now. So the flip side of that, if you do stick with Tyler Van Dyke, can TVD snap out of his funk? He looked, not only did he struggle, he looked completely emotionless in that MTSU game. Like, I think the only guy on the on the team, uh, at least on the field, who, like, showed a little passion was Gilbert Frierson on the defense firing people up. Uh, But, you know, Tyler Van Dyke, is he so frustrated with his receivers and with the scheme that he's given up? I sure hope not. Um, You know, when I've talked about making the quarterback switch, I've considered both sides of it. I truly have. Um, And it's it's a really, really tough decision. Like, you know, What I've been saying the last couple of days, I've been leaning to making the switch to Jake just based on what I've seen in games, but I'm not out at practice. The media hasn't been able to view anything in practice since fall camp. But if you go back to fall camp, Tyler was ahead of Jake. TVD was ahead of Jake in spring too. So I don't know if that's changed over the past three weeks. So all I can go by is what I'm seeing in games Uh, But I can tell you that from spring practice into fall camp and coming out of last season, this was Tyler Van Dyke's team. I can't say for sure if he's truly lost it or if he has lost it, why he's lost it. And, yeah, we're going to talk about the scheming and the play calling and all that. And I want to say something to Tyler's credit, okay? He's not just going to lay down and give up his starting job. Like, Tyler's not just going to say, you know what, you're right. I can't play anymore. I hate this offense. I want out of here. You know, I I want to get into the portal and just give the job over to Jacob. Tyler Van Dyke is going to to fight to keep his starting job. And he's already doing some things that maybe he should have started doing again a couple of weeks ago. But, you know, I I know he has uh, been in contact with our pal Malik Rozier, who's now working as a quarterback's coach and he's worked with Tyler before. Tyler has reached out to him this week and they've gone through some sessions just to review his mechanics, right? Because footwork, posture, a lot of this stuff that goes into a quarterback making proper throws, uh, maybe sometimes as fans, we don't always pick up on some of these little things, but I think TVD has maybe regressed into some bad habits and he's, he's trying to dot all of his I's and cross all of his T's to perform better. So I know... Tyler's not just going to give this up, okay? So, yeah, that's the the second big thing for me is you've got to figure out this quarterback situation. If that means making the switch, if you decide Jake Garcia gives you a better chance to beat North Carolina and a better chance to win more of your conference games and hopefully try to win the Coastal, try to win the ACC, it's up to coaches to figure that out. But then for Tyler and for Jake, because I believe there should be a a competition here – in practice for the next week and a half. It's up to both Tyler and Jake to do whatever they possibly can to create separation from the other. And I know Tyler Van Dyke is not just going to give this up. So uh, I'm going to give you the other three things I think Miami needs to fix during this bye week. And yeah, guys, I don't want to make it sound like I'm putting it all on talent. Again, we talked about the defensive coaching. We got to talk about the offensive coaching as well, because there are some things that Miami's not doing on O beyond the quarterback that they need to be doing. Uh, before we get into that, guys, we got to talk about Bet Online. I hope you're taking advantage of the awesome services that Bet Online are giving you. I'm on there every single day. Bet Online is your number one source for football betting info this season. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth articles and analysis on every game you can find. And as always, BetOnline remains your continued source for all your sport wagering information with live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there. The fastest and easiest way to check in on all of your favorite games and events, including Major League Baseball, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to BetOnline.net or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where... The game starts. I like to sing it. I can't explain why. I just enjoy singing. Thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen today. We are available free wherever you get your podcasts and available free on YouTube. So sticking with the offense, I've already given you the first two things that Miami needs to fix during the bye week. Number one. The defense needs to snap out of whatever that was last week and be ready to stop another air raid. Well, they didn't stop the last one. You got to try and slow this one down. Number two, you've got to figure out your quarterback situation. And then I get to number three. Yes, the offensive coaching and scheming has got to get better. I can't put this all on the players. I can't. So if you have wide receivers that struggle to create separation, which Miami does, they have wide receivers that struggle to create separation. You have to find a way to scheme them open. The route concepts haven't looked good. The play calling, I agree. And honestly, the more that I review it, the more puzzling it gets. And I'm I'm not trying to claim that I know more about football than Josh Gaddis. I don't. But there are certain things that I, I kind of struggle to figure out. Okay, The play calling just, it looks uninspired. Um, I don't want to see Gattis start showing us the old definition of insanity, right? Where you do the same things over and over again, trying to create different results. Like, I don't want to see that. And, you know, I do remember uh, back when all these coaches were introduced, you know, we were promised an offense that would adapt to the talent. Uh, Perhaps we were misled about that. We need to see them adapt more to the players on the field, right? And I know that, it's a tug of war. It's got to go both ways, right? I mean, players have to adapt to the scheme, but the scheme also needs to adapt to the players, and I believe they need to meet in the middle, okay? I said it yesterday. You can't just change the scheme. You can't, right? I mean, if, if you want to run a spread you shouldn't have hired this offensive coordinator. Like you can't just tell a guy who runs a big 10 style offense to say, Hey, just throw your entire playbook away and let's, let's, let's run a spread like that. That, that that's not the way that this works. Okay. You can't just change your scheme, but you can tweak it. You can open it up and you can do a better job identifying and attacking your opponent's weaknesses without having to change an entire scheme to do it. A competent offense should be able to score points against North Carolina, okay? Can Miami show up looking confident? Because you look at what North Carolina has done on defense for as good as their offense is, their defense is bad, okay? I'm not guaranteeing you Miami can score against their defense, but I am telling you North Carolina's defense is not good. UNC gave up 576 yards and 45 points to what doesn't look like a very good Notre Dame team, okay? Okay. They gave up 235 rushing yards and 28 points to Georgia State. They gave up 649 total yards and 61 points to Appalachian State and should have lost that game. I know Appalachian State is good and all that, even though they they lost last week. They're fourth place in their conference, but they're giant killers. North Carolina's defense, they can't stop a nosebleed. Can Miami be at least a nosebleed? Uh, against their defense this coming week Uh, because Miami can't beat them if they can't score points. Okay. The hurricanes have failed to score touchdowns in eight of their past 11 red zone trips. You might have to win a shootout to win this game and you're not going to win a shootout with a water pistol. So you're going to need to actually cash in on your red zone attempts. Miami's not bad at getting into the red zone but they're really, really bad at scoring in the red zone, okay? Um, Let me add something to points two and three when you talk about the quarterback situation and also the offensive scheme. Because, my goodness, Luke Cheney at allhurricanes.com, this man put in the freaking work studying the pro football focus stats with Tyler and Jake throwing to certain areas of the field and against certain coverages. And he did a lot of film study to come up with some research. Um, I don't think he's reinventing the wheel here, but this reinforces a lot of the things we have suspected about Tyler Van Dyke and what Tyler Van Dyke needs from a play caller in order to be successful. Uh, Luke writes, in the Hurricanes, two losses with Van Dyke under center. The offense has run 83 plays in a non-condensed formation. That's what Tyler is better in. And 77 plays in a condensed formation where Tyler's not as good. He says the contrasting results between the two are staggering. Miami's yards per play in non-condensed formations, sacks not included, is 5.43 yards per play as opposed to 3.87 in condensed where Tyler's not so good. He says, UM's yards per passing attempt is also better, 5.56 compared to 4.0, as well as yards per carry, 5.25 compared to 3.34. He says, the difference in play from Van Dyke is also profound. Against Middle Tennessee State, the quarterback was decent in non-condensed sets, completing 10 of 16 passes for 98 yards. In condensed sets, however, he was awful, completing only 5 of 14 passes For a mere 29 yards, one touchdown, and two interceptions. Those statistics, he writes, shed a light on the necessary direction that Gaddis and the rest of Miami's coaches must take with the offense moving forward if they plan on playing Van Dyke. He is an up-tempo, spread-style quarterback that has been thrust into a more power-based, pro-style scheme that does not benefit him and the rest of Miami's offensive personnel. He says, "But, but... If UM does not make these schematic changes towards a more spread-based offense, then Jake Garcia looks to be a better fit at quarterback, he writes. And maybe Miami decides this. Maybe Miami decides, you know what? We don't really want to tweak our playbook that much. Maybe we just go with the guy who's better at this. Uh, Jake Garcia was 5-for-8 for 84 yards in the second half of the Hurricanes game against Middle Tennessee in condensed formations. He also played in a similar offense in high school to the one that Gattis runs at Miami. So, I mean, again, you don't have a big sample size on Jake, obviously, because he's not played nearly as much as Tyler. But the limited sample size we've seen tell you that Jake Garcia performs better in the plays that Josh Gattis prefers calling. So you're going to have to maybe prefer non-condensed sets and plays you don't call as much in order to really give Tyler Van Dyke the best chance to succeed. And, you know, essentially... If you choose your scheme over Tyler Van Dyke, then I think Jake Garcia is the better guy to run it. But if you decide to choose Tyler over Jake, I think you need to tweak the playbook to fit him better. And this is exactly what I'm talking about when I tell you that you need to scheme to not only exploit your opponent's weaknesses, but also to fit your own players' strengths. Because yes, you can find answers within your own scheme if you tweak it enough without throwing out your playbook completely, because I think that there, at least I hope that there is a good amount of plays that Van Dyke can run within this playbook, but maybe Jake Garcia can run more of those. So that that's a big, something that Miami has to figure out. Okay. Miami's physicality has to return. That's number four. That's a huge one. That was something that was completely missing it against middle Tennessee. Miami's offensive line guys, they pushed around the opposition in three of their first four games. So, I refuse to believe that middle Tennessee has a tougher defensive line than Texas A&M. So that tells me Miami got pushed around by MTSU because they weren't mentally ready and they were sleepwalking in that game. The offensive line for Miami was the most consistent unit for the first three weeks. And then they regressed in week four. So I've got to believe that what they did last week was at least a bit of an aberration because we know that this offensive line is capable of doing better than they did against middle Tennessee. And as I know Zion Nelson didn't play in the middle Tennessee game and hopefully he'll be back for North Carolina and that's going to make some difference, but the rest of these guys need to step up and play better. Also, um, you know, sticking with physicality, uh, you know, Miami's defensive line actually graded out. Okay. Against middle Tennessee, but the linebackers forgot to tackle. And the defensive backs apparently forgot how to run, but they were also schematically put in a tough position against the speed that Middle Tennessee had. Um, so you have to wonder, like, was some of these veterans on Miami's defense looking like they're kind of regressing to last year? You have to wonder maybe if younger players like Wesley Besaint, who's looked really good when he has played, you know, he's a true freshman, maybe he deserves more snaps. So that's number four. And then uh, I'll give you number five on the other side, because number five, bros, this involves all of us. OK, this involves you, me and everybody. So keep it locked right here to Locked on Canes. And we're going to read some of your suggestions as well on the top five things that Miami needs to fix during this bye week. You know what doesn't need fixing? LinkedIn Jobs. They're doing pretty good right now, LinkedIn Jobs. And I got to tell you, I've been on one side of it. As an employee, I have found jobs through LinkedIn Jobs before, and I know it's helping small businesses. They are helping small businesses in a big way. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. So you want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster And for free, you add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. And then simple tools like screening questions can make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free terms and conditions apply. Thank you so much for making locked on Canes your first listen today. We're available free wherever you get your podcasts and available free on YouTube. So uh, the first four points I've given you on the top five things Miami needs to fix during the bye week. The defense needs to be ready to stop another air raid. You've got to figure out your quarterback situation. That's number two. Number three, the offensive coaching and scheming has got to get better. Number four, Miami's physicality has to return because we lost that last week. And then number five, I bet you didn't think I'd go in this direction, okay? Number five, we fans, we need to do better too. For real, if you guys want to prove Tyler Van Dyke wrong about Hard Rock Stadium having no atmosphere, okay, let's show up and pack the rock on October 8th. Let's show up to the North Carolina game. So if you don't think, and I respect it, if you don't think this team is worth spending money on to go watch in person, I know it's expensive, fine. If you feel that way, if you don't think it's worth spending your hard-earned money to go watch a Canes football game live, fine. But then you don't need to be someone complaining from your freaking couch about the stadium being half-empty when you're part of the reason that it's half empty, okay? I find it very ironic when supposed Canes fans are on their couch taking photos of empty seats on their TV screen to post it on social media and complain about it. You literally have the power to show up and fill one of those empty seats yourself, okay? And if you do go to the game, I ask you this from the bottom of my heart, okay? If you do go to the game, cool it with booing your own players they hear it and it can affect them maybe some guys can completely zone it out but i've talked to enough former players i know they hear it and i know it does affect them uh and so okay i don't know exactly if you're a canes fan i don't know exactly what you're trying to accomplish by booing your own players like if anything you're just making them play worse (laughs) Is like is that what you want um you know, do you guys think that booing Tyler Van Dyke is the reason why they pulled uh, Van Dyke and put in Garcia? Because I would hope that they could come to that conclusion for themselves. Like, I, I don't know if you feel like you're helping the team by booing them, but you're not like you're not helping the team by booing them. Like, if you want them to play worse and lose, congratulations, you're helping that. But let's cool it with the booing. So let's actually give the team some home field advantage, right? North Carolina is coming down here. I really don't like the Tar Heels. North Carolina has embarrassed us. A couple of years ago in our home stadium, they embarrassed us to the tune of a 62-26 to 26 win, and they had, what, like 700 yards rushing? Like, I Let's actually create some home field advantage for Miami. Can we please do that? So that's my final point. And I threw this out there on Twitter. I said, hey, we're going to discuss the top five things Miami needs to fix during the bye week what are the top priorities for you guys? Uh, let me read some of these. And by the way, you can follow us on Twitter at LockedOnCaines. We will follow you back. Follow us at Locked on Canes. And if you tweet us, we might read your tweet on the show. We might answer it, you know, on the Twitter machine. Uh, Henry writes to us, number one, player accountability. Number two, consistency on both sides of the ball. Number three, quarterback play. These sound a lot like mine. Number four, play calling. <laughs> number five. Why certain players aren't playing? I, I think there, there's a lot of people out there that are, are calling for uh for Avante Williams to get on the field. You know, again, I, I don't know what's been going on behind the scenes. Um, I'm hoping that they sort that out and I, I hope he's earning his playing time because yeah, I can see that there are certain guys who have been on the field who maybe aren't doing their job and maybe we need to try some of the guys who haven't been getting as much playing time. Ross says, uh, first, we need to see effort and toughness or sorry, effort and togetherness. He says staff has to show that they can bring the team together. Yeah, I mean, you know how I feel like the staff. Yes, but also these players, as we talked about on yesterday's episode, these players need to also lead from within and they need to hold each other accountable. Robert says, uh, oh, and hold on. It looks like Robert sent me a whole thread. Jeez, I'm trying to find all these tweets. Here, Here's one. Of, he sent me like five separate tweets. Here's one of them. He says, Josh Gaddis needs to be more creative and needs to help whoever his quarterback is out. And please start developing your wide receiver group with route concepts. Yeah, yes. I love it. He says, uh, the defense must have a short memory, but I think it's time to play the young bucks. I can tell a lot of us we think alike. Okay. Um, Robert also writes in leadership. Who is going to become the alpha of this team on offense and defense? Mental toughness, he says. This will show us who is mentally strong and mentally weak from where the coaches can uh, then play. Who wants to actually be out there on the field? Uh, Ada writes to us. uh, She says, oh, no, you listed some of these out for last week's game in terms of my keys to the game. And we didn't accomplish any of them. she says hopefully the powers that be listen this week i'd love it if they do uh i, I know some i know some recruits listen uh, i cannot confirm or deny if any of like the, the current players listen i don't know uh she says maybe a uh, hurricane ian will blow away all the bad karma from Arcanes." canes nelson writes in needs to fix fix the most important issues blocking and tackling yes i can see that nelson uh let me see who else Ooh, uh, Lieutenant Z writes in clock management. Yeah, th- that was an issue even more so because, I mean, obviously Miami was playing from way from behind against MTSU. That clock management was definitely an issue against Texas A&M because Miami didn't look like they were in a whole big of a rush when they were like trying to tie the game late. Probably could have done a little bit better. Uh, our friend Chill. Chill is always on point, by the way. He's, he's been right about more things than a lot of us have. He says, run the ball, stop the run tackle at the point of contact, and win the kicking game. I will say that kicking game was fine last week. We found out Miami's apparently got two punters who are really good. And, uh, you know, I thought Borigallis, uh, you know, he didn't have as many pressure kicks, but I thought he bounced back nicely from the trouble that he had against Texas A&M. That'll do it for today's episode. I love you guys. We're going to keep giving you bi-week content. We never stop. We never stop a lot of caffeine here on Locked on Canes. Get more on the ACC by making Locked on ACC your second listen every day. Host Candice Cooper and the local experts of Locked on take you across the ACC in 30 minutes. I join her every Thursday, by the way. Make Locked on ACC your second listen. Thank you for making us your first. We will talk to you again next time on another episode of Locked on Canes. We are part of the awesome Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.